0: I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Hey Mr. Binks. you know it's New Year and people will be making New Year's resolutions to train their dog. So we're jumping on Zoom to head over to Atlanta to speak to the world-renowned dog trainer, TV personality, author and public speaker, best known as Victoria Stilwell famous for It's Me or the Dog, and many other TV shows. we're talking about her latest show in the UK and much more. So how excited am I to be welcoming Victoria Stilwell onto A Dog's Life? Hello, Victoria, all the way over in Atlanta.
1: Hello, it's really good to be here.
0: Oh, thank you. Oh, well, I must say, oh, I absolutely adore your new It's Me or the Dog series that um, has just aired in the UK, because I remember the first series that was in, was it 2005 or 2006, Victoria? Yes,
1: you're right. It was both. It started early 2005, and then uh, we went to 2006 as well, and then into a little bit of 2007. So it was about two years in the UK
0: Yeah, yeah. And it was, um, you know, a weekly must watch. And, you know, I learned so much from that series. And, you know, it's always special because that was the era when, you know, I had my first Bull Terrier, Molly, and I was throwing myself into the world of dogs. So very nostalgic in a way. But what do you think, you know, with all the changes that have gone on in this time, Victoria, not to mention, you know, not least to mention, I should say, the pandemic. Do you think, I mean, filming this second series here in the UK, that UK pet parents are more informed now or less informed than they were in 2006, or about the same?
1: <laughs> I think about the same, really, to be honest. Um, but, of course, I think what has so surprised me uh, is the amount of dogs... Uh, that uh, the, the pandemic, I mean, just caused this flurry, as we know, of of everybody wanting a dog, everybody wanting a canine companion. And so it seems like there are so many more dogs now in the UK than there ever were before. And it, it just means that when we decided to do the show again, really because of the pandemic and because there were so many more people that needed help um that there that we had no shortage of people wanting to be on
0: the show put it like that yeah I bet I bet gosh it must be um an extraordinarily difficult task to choose and I, I must say you know the series I think really represents a good cross-section of very common behavior problems really so I think it really a well-balanced series
1: Thank you. They did, uh, you know, the producers, they go out and the casting goes out to try and find these people. But, um, you know, a, again, obviously they have to make sure I can do it. So uh, I, I get the final say and I, I too was really focused on trying to get as many different kinds of stories and issues as I could, because, you know, right from the start, even from the beginning of the, when we started It's Meal the Dog in 2005, it was all about giving people as much information as I could so that, you know, they, they would have more harmonious lives with their dogs or if they had a difficult dog, they would not make the decision to relinquish it to a shelter, that there was actually things that they could do. So really it's about education and about tackling as many kind of issues as possible.
0: Yes, absolutely. And it's really also about communicating effectively I guess really with with the people I mean I always say train dogs are happy dogs and make for happier owners and what was clear in the program which I loved was you know you have the before and you've got the the, the pet parents you know tearing their hair out you know um, I can't wait to see Victoria you know we're at our wits end we can't go on anymore you know and then you go and see them offer them the skill set to help turn their dogs problems around or all positively which I love and then you have the interview with them afterwards when they've been working with your techniques and you come back to visit them and they're radiant (laughs) and they're smiling and so happy so it proves that trained dogs make for happier people.
1: It really does. It really does. And you know, there's people that come on the, the, the social media and they're like, oh my gosh, you make everything look like magic. You're a magician. And you know, Anna, we're not magicians. We just are skilled at what we do. We know what we do. And so um, when I go into a house and there are these issues, I go, all right, now I, I, I understand dogs. I know dogs well enough. I understand people. I know them well enough to be able to turn this behavior around. And so that's the job of a dog trainer it's not just about going into a house or doing a group class and teaching a dog to sit stay come when called it's about understanding why a dog is behaving in the way it is and helping the family and the dog be successful
0: exactly i mean i always like to think you're turning a dog's world into a game based on rules and teamwork
1: yeah it's it is and, and i think that's what you say is very important because it's it is about play and i think there's been so much focus, especially recently on obedience, obedience training, this and that. People forget to actually just play with their dogs, hang out with their dogs. And I think that play is one of the, in the one of the best ways you can build a bond with your dog, of the best ways you can improve a relationship that you have with your dog, is through play. And that might be a game of tug. It might be a problem solving puzzle. It might be a, a dog sport or something, but Play is at the very heart of the human canine relationship.
0: Yeah, it really is. I remember an episode from the very first series, um, and it was a a couple. She reminded me a bit of Debbie Harry, actually, and um, they had a lurcher. Gosh, I can't remember his name. Lucy, I I
1: think it was
0: yeah hated the postman absolutely hated the yes. postman and would raid the fridge so yes. um and because they lived quite open plan which is another of my bugbears i don't know what you think about this but do you think open plan living is hindering our relationships with dogs and encouraging separation anxiety
1: When you mean open-plan living, do you mean actually sort of structurally open-plan living? Yes, yes,
0: yes, open-plan so that, you know, the kitchen and the lounge and, you know, the bedroom is all open, really, Um, warehousey style. So there's no rooms, no separate rooms.
1: Yeah, Um, and of course, you know, I live in America where really most of the houses that are being built now are more Mm. open-plan. And I do, so I basically work in those kind of homes actually i do less less private consults now because of just time but um when i used to do them i i would become i mean I, all of these houses were open plan so i think it's really important that the problem with open plan is that the dog doesn't really have a safe space to to retreat to if it needs to so in all of these places i would create one This is the dog safe zone. This is the place that the dog can go to when the dog needs a little bit of away time. This is a child-free zone, so children cannot go there. And if the dog practices avoidance and takes themselves away, they're saying they need a little bit of rest time. So I think, um, you know, whatever kind of home you live in, it's important to give your dog its own space. Yes,
0: absolutely. Because, you know, separation anxiety, which was this Lucy's problem, wasn't it, um, way back, you know, and she would just get totally destructive, which rings a bell with me because when Prudence, my current miniature bull terrier was young destruction was her symptom of anxiety actually she ate all the do- doorknobs actually off my um, chest of drawers once which could have killed her you know because they were wooden so that was it we had to go back a few stages obviously at that point but lucy reminded me a bit of prudence <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, Lucy, I mean, bless her heart. It's it's separation anxiety, and especially with the pandemic, my gosh, so many dogs. It is such a, a common problem behavior and so many dogs suffer from it. Look, dogs are social animals, we know that, and they thrive best when they are in the company of their families, people that they can trust and feel safe with. Uh, And they like little toddlers, what toddler likes to be left alone, same thing with dogs, you know, we know that cognitively these dogs have the um, cognitive abilities of two to three year old children so that's why I say they're like toddlers and they remain that throughout their lives. So. You can imagine then what it's like leaving a toddler by themselves. Well, that's the same for your dog, leaving a dog by themselves. They don't know that you're going to come home. And so this, this separation anxiety manifests itself in so many ways. In fact, we've got a dog coming up because we've got the, uh, the, the second part of the new series airing in the new year, and we've got a dog, a Staffordshire Bull Terrier that actually really manifests anxiety as well by destructiveness and truly destruct, destroying everything.
0: Oh, gosh. And that could be very destructive, couldn't it really? I mean, I'm I'm grateful we still have all our skirting boards, um, all the rest of it. It was just very targeted to things that were mine. So Prudence actually managed to get a handbag off a hook, OK, in another room, take it into my bedroom and then ruin the zip and break the handle in half and then just left it as if to say, there, you go away again and it'll be your <laughs> Chelsea boots next time.
1: I do think I do think chewing on an object that that has your scent on it is almost sort of is almost a comfort thing Um, and that's why so much of this destruction is is targeted on uh, things like remote controls or bags or shoes that have that that has a stronger scent on them but you know, also we see other manifestations of separation anxiety on places where, especially doorways, where people come and go. So it's sort of targeted on doorways or windowsills where the dog uh, wants to get out.
0: Yeah, no, it is awful. I um, mean, you know, um, it is so sad. And, and it's so easy to train a dog to be left alone as well. But it, of course, it just takes a lot of time and energy and patience. And it's like you say at the top of the show, um, there are no dogs, but it's all about teaching. I think, is that the right phrase? Yeah, no,
1: no bad dogs, but it is all about teaching. And I don't actually use the word training. I use the word teaching because I think training, again, I want to move away from this, this, that these dogs have got to be obedient to you all the time. I think we've kind of focusing, uh, we're missing the most important part, which is the dog's cognitive experience, the emotional experience as well, but also, yeah, this idea of that obedience, and, and and it's really, yeah, we want to give our dogs life skills. I call, I call them life skills, but we need to sort of kind of really empower our dogs because if we empower our dogs and, and encourage their confidence and encourage them or find ways that they can, we can make living in our homes easier, then we're going to have less Issues. These dogs are going to have less issues living in our environment. So that's why I say teaching, because training seems to have like this connotation of obedience, where teaching is a little bit more gentle.
0: Absolutely. And I think it's so important to you know, understand from, you know, the human perspective, you know, and be really affable and have a sense of humour and be approachable, I think, as well, you know, so it's the human to human skills that I think matter just as much as being able to communicate with their dog and, and help, you know, guide them to, you know, getting what they want to have the best of their dog.
1: Yeah, when uh, students of mine when I'm at, at my academy and I say to them look you you really don't want to be a dog trainer if you don't like people that's it. this is not your career because in order to teach dogs train dogs you have to love people as well or at least respect them or at least be able to cope with them because you are motivating that client to be to to work with their dog. And without that, they're not going to do it. So I always say your, your client is the most important trainer slash teacher in
0: your, in that dog's life, not you. Absolutely and really praising them and seeing but I love making people smile. I mean today with this little Pomeranian who was seven months and the owner admitted hadn't been trained at all, couldn't sit, do anything and you know by the end of the session she had learnt sit and down and had learnt to jump onto her lap and then to be picked up because that was missing a tiny little palm gorgeous little thing and taught touch and some other focus tools and you know she was so happy I mean the grin on on her face just made my day you know and I think that's great to make people happy
1: (laughs) oh yeah a hundred percent there is nothing better than seeing people smile um and you know we're really creating I see trainers are our role as uh we're sort of there's the dog on one side of the bridge and the human being on the other side of the bridge and the trainer's job is to get them to meet in the middle of the bridge create harmony so we're really bridging that gap between dog and owner we're translators really um and creating that harmony
0: yeah and talking of translation there was one episode that oh i loved i loved the dogs in it um vinnie and arnie where (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> were well, two Frenchies with opinions, weren't they? They had they had opinions. And um, but you know, many of the messages and the communication between the owners and these dogs were totally getting lost in translation, weren't they, Victoria?
1: They were. And when it when it gets lost in translation, there is confusion. Dogs don't know what to do, then they're just going to behave like dogs. People don't know what to do, and then it all falls apart. And so that's when when I go into these homes, you know, I might have an idea of what I'm going to do with the families. I see a short video before, you know, the couple of months before we we start planning. Um, but actually, when I meet them, when you see me meet them on screen, that's the first time that I go into the house and meet the dogs and the people. And I like it that way because it's. It's just, it's genuine, right? That's Mm. important. Um, But when I go in, I might have a sort of an idea of what I'm going to do. And then when I go in and I go, oh, there's a lot more here that needs addressing. And that was (laughs) the case with Vinnie and Arnie. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) But, you know, again, their guardians, caretakers um, loved them so much. And so I knew that I'm, I'm working with great people here that are going to work with their dogs because they do want, their lives were just so overtaken by these dogs. And really what it was was just some simple fixes. That's what it was. And it really helped change their lives.
0: Yes, uh, looking objectively and turning things around from the dog's perspective, really. And yeah, know it was that was really great to see how that all turned around. But yes, I don't know how about you in America right now, but certainly here we've got this issue where London parks had actually got really quite calm for a while, Victoria, because we had all of the you know the hoodies and you know the the poor staffies that were being used, you know, instead of knives for a while in London. That was quite a big trend which you know is terrible and it led to you know a lot of discrimination against the bull breeds which I know you know you're you're obviously dead against as well but now we hardly ever see any staffies in the park and there's lots and lots and lots of designer crossbreeds everywhere but since the pandemic none of these Pandemic puppies appeared to me to have a recall. So someone did some research that said that 45% of pet parents at the moment hate walking their dogs because of other dogs running up, not having a recall, causing commotion, being a nuisance. And do you see that in the States at the moment?
1: Well, the states and depending on where you live, but in most cities they have very strict lead laws, so you actually cannot let your dog off the lead. So we don't have the problem of dogs running up to other dogs, right? As much as you do in the United Kingdom, Um, and you know, in one way it's it's good, um, but in another way we see here a bit more lead reactivity, and uh, because dogs don't really get that chance to run around, Um, and. So it's different in the UK, but yes, I would say that it's a hard one, isn't it? Because a lot of your green parks and green areas are off-lead spaces. So, so I say, look, if your dog is not, if you, if your dog is not a sociable dog, and if your dog lacks confidence, then try and walk your dog in different areas where you know, and hope that other dog owners aren't, because you cannot trust them because too many people are letting their dogs off without a good recall. Uh, They are, they make excuses for their dogs. They haven't done the teaching and their dogs are running around causing havoc. Uh, And so unfortunately it's the good people that are having to sort of modulate and self-modulate their own behavior and walk their dogs in different places because of the others that are out of control. Mm. I do hope that it changes. And I do hope that people with resources like television shows and books and videos and all the information podcasts like yours that do people do learn. There's so much great information out there now and, and teaching a simple recall. I mean, it is, it's pretty easy.
0: It is, it is. I loved it on the show because you're using long lines, because I'm a great fan of a long line. In fact, I've actually m- invented one through Lockdown Victoria. It was a lockdown project, A so bit by bit, I'm getting there. Um, and it's a five metre orange biofan one, so it's super light and uh, super wipeable and indoor and outdoor use and all of this. So um, I'm quite proud of it, and it's very bright. And they're just great, aren't they? A fi- mm-hmm. I like five metre ones. I know they can be 10 metres or even more, but for, I think, London parks, five meters is is enough, you know, to begin the recall work. Yes. Why, why do you love them as well?
1: I do. Um, I don't. I'm not an extendable lead kind of person. Oh, so no, the, no, no, the lead, no, no, no. Yeah. And you, yeah, you know that, um, that extendable leads <laughs> can be really problematic. But how then do you let your dog have time and can range a little bit further away from you well it's using the long line and so i do use long lines in teaching i mean i've I've spent many years as well working with police dogs here in the united states we use a lot of long lines for tracking and uh, they can be very very useful in so many different ways so it enables your dog to go out and sniff and have a little bit you know, maybe that feeling of freedom a bit more, but they are still attached to you. You're still holding the other end of the lead.
0: Yes, or have a means to tread on the lead, preempt something you don't want, like chasing a cyclist or a pigeon. And then I guess using the opportunity, it's something you did say in one of the episodes might have been low key that you have to be more fun. You're not fun enough. I do remember. And that's so important, isn't it? That we have to be more fun than a pigeon. Um, which but is quite hard. hard. It's yes. very hard. It's, More fun than a squirrel. I mean, come on.
1: <laughs> it's really, really difficult. And you know, what, what we did in that episode was to put what looked like a sort of, which um, is is a bit sad and sorry to say this, but like a squashed animal. And um, but it's not. It's a soft toy. But it kind of looks like and put it at the end of a of of a rope, and or a flirt pole. And then, you know, run off in the other direction with it. So if you've got a dog that loves chasing things, well then can chase the thing that you have and it only comes out on the walk. Uh, And so your dog can focus on that more than, and actually that becomes even more reinforcing because then it might get a chase and then it might have a treat and then it might have another chase. Mm. So that you have to, and it's hard for people to do that. It's hard for people to be more exciting. And you're going almost against instinct, aren't you? For, But if you can harness your dog's chasing instinct in a more positive way, then it really, really works
0: absolutely yes 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 but it takes time and energy you know that's the thing you know walking your dog as well Victoria I mean I'm I'm a bit of an old-fashioned girl and I I think you know <laughs> the main reason to bring a dog into your life is that they give you a gateway to the outdoors I mean, and through lockdown I, I've lost it if it hadn't been for the dogs you know we were out every day for our hours designated exercise and I think that's when people got the idea you know people. Who never been to the park saw us dog parents out with our dogs thinking do you know what I'm going to get a dog because then it means I can go out and have a reason to go out you don't feel like Billy No in the park <laughs> you know but um, so many people don't walk their dogs enough do they they don't
1: e- exercise we know how we feel when we don't exercise and right now I've been doing a web I'm building a whole load of new courses and um, online courses and so I'm spending a lot of time by the computer and I'm not getting out enough and I just sort of feel a bit stodgy and a bit like oh and a bit just a bit bored and a bit you know flat and just exercise releases those pleasurable endorphins when we get out we feel better. Same for our dogs. So important. And you know, it. I mean, it's that's probably the easiest thing you can do. Tell somebody to go exercise with their dog. It can be problematic for some people if they've got difficult dogs, but it can it can help. But you know, there's a lot of, and I hate to say it, but there's a lot of lazy people out there. And you know, the pandemic, as we've said, added so many dogs to the UK. So they got these pandemic puppies, uh, the puppy farms were very happy about it. And it just, it was like an influx of puppies into the UK and so expensive. And now of course these dogs are adolescents and adults, and now there's issues. I so, know. and now people are going back to work, oh my gosh, I'm working and I don't have time to walk my dog. Well, you know what? Sorry, but you make time.
0: Hmm, I love that. And you know what? It's um, National Walk Your Dog Month in the UK at the moment because it is January and this is a social media campaign over the last couple of years Victoria's really gained momentum so I've been behind it because I say I'm I'm an old-fashioned girl that likes to walk around dogs and I think that's great so you know it's good to talk about it on this episode you know get out there work through your dog's issues you know they'll lessen desensitization is a great thing get to know your dog if you don't walk your dog you'll never get to know your dog and time's short with your dog and it's all over too quickly as you and I know and you don't want to have any regrets.
1: No you don't I have look my I have two senior dogs now I got my Bella when she was 11 actually she's now 14 and then I have my Jasmine and she's about nearly 12 so uh, yeah I just I have dedicated my life to making their lives as best as they can possibly be and so I know that when their time comes that they will have had the most amazing life with me. And, you know, sometimes I don't want to go out and walk. Sometimes I don't want to, I feel like, oh, it's cold outside. I want to stay here. No, get up, put your boots on and your coat, listen to your phone or your music and go out and take your dog for a walk.
0: Yes, Yes, even a short one. Because even a short one, yes. It's tapping into their olfaction. You know, I love that episode. Um, I think it was in Brooklyn. It was from the American series. And there was it was a black German shepherd involved and a great New York couple. And I just love the way, you know, they talk. It's brilliant. And, um, <laughs> yes. and they, end, you know, the one, and they ended up training or starting to train the dog to be a search and rescue dog. And I love that because, again, they were so happy to have found a purpose for their dog you know.
1: Yeah and you know Sasha she was she was a, a, a German Shepherd, she was actually a, a Czech bred so from the Czech Republic and so she was from a line of working dogs and now she's in Hoboken which is just outside New York City and she is living in a small apartment, a lovely couple but they she didn't want the dog, he loved the dog and it, what was happening is that Hoboken has these, they planted lots of trees and Um, along the streets, and there's not a lot of green space there, but these tree trunks were very, very small. And so they were absolutely perfect for Sasha to go up and attach her mouth to them and not let go. Mm. So, And because you had about 15 trees along one street, she stopped at every tree and attacked every tree. In fact, down her road, you'd see teeth marks on every tree trunk because you couldn't (laughs) walk past the tree without her going and attacking it. Well, when... A, I gave her a kong to walk with, which she really liked, so she didn't go towards these trees. But then we, we we found a purpose for her. So I'm a great one for trying to find what does the dog really love doing or what do I think the dog is going to be really good at doing and doing it. Yeah, and so yeah. dog sports and activities and scenting and scent work and all things like that and agility. For example, the Staffordshire Bull Terrier was talking about who had the real destruction, um, was, we did agility with her. She's an amazing agility dog and that just, it's such, it's a release and, you know, it's great teamwork as well. It's, it's something that you and your dog can do together.
0: Exactly. Days out, you know, with your dog. You know, I mean, I I love doggy dancing, as you know. I think that's, (laughs) and people laugh, but, you know, for me, that's the most harmonious, amazing, precision teamwork ever. But no, I'm going to impress you now, Victoria, just to make you giggle, actually, as well. So, Prudence, who's now sat beside me, so probably hear her breathing. I've trained her with the help, actually I must say, of Dave wardell you know, the police officer, yes. can finn fin, to um sniff out British truffles.
1: Ooh, fabulous. <laughs> she's a truffle dog. She's a she truffle is, hunter. She's
0: a truffle hunter. I know. Ooh. I know. And I found someone someone whose dog i'm training that owns some land i know mad that um has truffles so we're sorted because you can get arrested actually if you dig out a truffle without permission from the landowner so i've so yeah the networking has happened so watch out in 2022 prudence may be crowned the first bull terrier ever to find a truffle in real life
1: that's do you know what? Dogs are so much better. You know that, that in Italy and other areas that they've been using pigs to hunt truffles out. But unfortunately, pigs aren't so eco-friendly and they trample a lot of the vegetation. So dogs are <laughs> no, no. much better at truffle hunting and are much more delicate and uh, less destructive to the areas that they're searching for truffles. in. so it's a, such an amazing thing for your dog to do.
0: Yeah, it's a bit of fun. But that's the whole thing. You know, you've got to have these projects, or, you know, and and anyone could do it. That's the thing. But talking about 2022, Victoria, you've got a lot coming up. And let's hope, you know, that next year is a bit more normal. It all yeah. seems to be going a bit haywire again here, certainly in London. But we'll just have to see how it pans out, I guess. But there's so much. I mean, apart from the second series of It's Me or the Dog, filmed here in Blighty, there's your annual bike conference, is there not in April Victoria?
1: Yes it's the Dog Behaviour Conference and it's a totally virtual online three-day conference April 1st, 2nd and 3rd and it's gosh it's our eighth year now, ninth year and we used to do it in person in the UK but of course because of Covid we put it online and actually this will be our our third year, second or third year online Um, and it, we have the, some of the best speakers from around the world, so if you're a dog lover and you just want in more information about how to live harmoniously with your dog and or you are an aspiring dog trainer or groomer or other animal care professional then it's definitely uh, you should definitely check out the dog behavior conference.
0: I'm so going to register this year and join in. Actually, Victoria, I'd like to do that most definitely. But there's also, you know, kind of noise occurring about regulation, isn't there, in in the dog training community or dog teaching community?
1: Yes, there is. And look, I mean, for so long, dog training, well, it's never been regulated, and so anybody can set themselves up as a dog trainer. And you know how much it takes. How long have we been doing this? How much it takes to gather the skill, the knowledge, to work with these animals and with people. So there, it's really hard to get regulation because how do you regulate? You know, what do you, what do you, how do you get people on board? So there, ten organizations got together a couple of years ago and said they wanted to sort this out so that they could address the needs for self-regulation. improvement of dog welfare in the dog training industry. So we set up a charter and it's a model to bring together organizations. It's sort of a shared vision of standards and accountability and we set up the charter group which now uh, we're releasing it is just being released and so it it basically it makes a clear statement uh, regarding the future direction of The dog behavior and training industry and it's in relation to professional standards tools and methodologies for example organizations cannot join if they do not uh, if they use check chains choke chains or shock collars and things like that we just and your so your equipment as well as your methods have to be have to really improve your dog's welfare and so it's really It's the first time that organizations, which have historically been in competition with each other, have seen a problem, come together, addressed it, and these are the major organizations, APDT, IMDT, Interdogs, VSPDT, my organization, VSA, we've got ACE Dog Training, um, uh, and so many of these, these top organizations that have come together to ethically, so that we're concerned with the ethical welfare conduct of our of all all of our members so that's the uk dog behavior and training charter and you can find out more by going to ukdogcharter.org and if you sort of go and look at this the founding members on there you'll be able to find a trainer that you know uses positive methods and is has the welfare of your dog it it topmost in their mind so we're very excited that the charter now is out there for people to use
0: it's brilliant. I think that's a great idea. And it's great to see people coming together to work, you know, collaboratively, I think. Because I think so much more about collaboration now, post-pandemic. We've all had a bit of a wake-up call. and it's, But I, that's that's something I was surprised about on the series, to see Max, you know, the big St. Bernard. <laughs> when you arrived, he was on a choke chain. Yes. And you said very politely to the, the, the lady, um, and I loved it. I was watching and you went... You see, the thing is, I don't agree with this, Connor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, it's... Look, I I have to be very diplomatic, but no. And, you know, I think it's all very well to say I don't agree with something or I don't like something or I don't think it's effective unless you are prepared to show them something else that is effective well, yes. and that works better. And, and, and that's why, you know, that's why I designed my positively no pull harness because it it does take welfare into account it takes pressure off that neck and even though max is 160 pound 12 stone um some St. bernard huge very strong that he was still able to pull her with that choke chain and his neck you know, was still being damaged. Well, I know because his eyes were getting red, as oh. he was almost choking himself.
0: But yes, she
1: wasn't being a nasty person using. Oh it. no, was, no, no!
0: I mean, was that's... desperate. Absolutely, you know, unwittingly, you know, she she didn't know at all, and um, you know, it was just interesting that in today you know now that you know you can even still buy them actually I must say you know but I love the front leading harnesses I'm mad about them in fact I'd love to try one of your Positively ones for Prudence actually because we sometimes go back to a front leading harness after just walking on a collar in a lead phases you know through a dog's life you go you know you go a bit wayward at times and you come back in line again so I think they're brilliant the front leading harness so Max the Labradoodle puppy. I trained today. You know, I recommended a front leading harness and he was out on it today, only our second session, walking to heel perfectly, you know, and making his owner so proud, which just is a win-win.
1: Yeah, it is. And it does. It takes pressure off that neck. Um, and you know, I always say, look, use different bits of equipment as long as they are are safe. And so, you know, you can use different kinds of harnesses, right? And uh, I'm a great believer of, you don't wear the same clothes every day, why should your dog? And, And so I have about three different harnesses for my dogs. One of them is my own harness. But, uh, you know, I use other people's as well. So I'm, I'm a great believer in that.
0: But it's the front clip, isn't it, really? Because otherwise in my... Yes. Well, otherwise I feel you just turn a dog into a, <laughs> a sled dog. Whoa. Oh, yeah, no,
1: the front clip is... For dogs that don't pull, you can use a back clip harness. But the front clip harness really helps because that sort of... Your dog's centre of gravity is between the shoulders and the chest as well. And mm. that's if you attach that lead to that front clip, you're actually... Uh, if the dog pulls, it, its body just comes round. It's so much easier to walk your dog, especially if you've got a dog that pulls. So, you know, that's why I'm teaching Max to walk well on that lead and also not to dart off when he wanted to. Because if he ever saw another dog or a cat or somebody wanted to go say hello to, he'd just go. And yes. then he did regardless of who was at the other end of the lead, he would go and that was the problem. And he'd put his person in hospital three times, surgery, three different surgeries, so much Gosh. so that the surgeon had said, you need to get rid of your dog. And she said, absolutely not. I'm going to call Victoria Stilwell and that's and that's the show. So you have to watch.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's a great show. I really suggest that everyone, you know, stocks up on catch up before the second series hits. So when does it hit?
1: Well, it's going to be sometime June, uh, sorry, J- January, February, um, March. It all depends on their uh, schedule, but you can catch up on the latest shows you can go to Discovery, um, the UK Discovery, the online one, the online yeah. platform. But also it's on the It's Me or the Dog Facebook. It's on my Facebook, Victoria. Still. Well, there's just clips from the from the English show if you just want short clips. And also it'll be on the uh, It's Me or the Dog YouTube channel, which it, it means people can access it all the time. So, but it will be again on the Really channel um, sometime very shortly in the new year, another 10 episodes.
0: Oh, great. Well, I can't wait for that. Can't wait. Thank you, Victoria. I mean, are you going to be over in the UK to meet up anytime soon?
1: I'm hoping to be. I'm hoping to be. Uh, obviously, I won't be at Crofts because we thought even again, I don't know whether it's, uh, hopefully it might go on this. I don't know, but I don't think I'll be over there. But I, I do have potentially some um, other things. And of course, my family is over there. So I do come over. And, and I hope that one day the, the Dog Behavior Conference will be in person again. But there, I guess the good thing about the Dog Behavior Conference being online now is that it doesn't matter where in the world you are, you can join. So for people who want to find more information about that, they go to dogbehaviorconference.com and uh, please register.
0: Amazing. Yes, everyone must register, definitely. Well, thank you, Victoria. And I really hope we can have a catch up, maybe chat about the second series.
1: Thank you very much for having me. I love your podcast and I really appreciate it. And yes, anytime.
0: Oh, thank you so much. Hey, Mr. Binks, that's our show. What did you think? Yes, I knew you'd feel inspired listening to Victoria chat about dog teaching. What's that? Yes, you're right. It's time for Woof of the Week. Ah. as I always like to say, trained dogs are happy dogs and they certainly make for happier owners <laughs> well i hope you all enjoyed it if you did please rate and review the show wherever you tune into your podcast thanks of course to mike hansen my amazing producer for all the music and production as ever find out more about him at pod People uk i'm at Web dogs or have a little snoop around my website annaweb.co.uk what's that mr binks Yes, we will be in your feed next week. So why don't you subscribe now? It's free and you'll never miss another show. Bye for now.